When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we are halfway through the month of August. I should probably stop saying how slow the month of August is, because it's probably perpetuating to everybody that breaks news that we don't need to break news this month. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, of course, nothing new really happening over the past week, over the past 15 days, let's say. But what we're going to do in today's episode is get a little creative. We're going to rank the Pittsburgh Penguins core against the other cores in the National Hockey League. I actually have a top 16 ranking that we will break down a little bit. We're going to talk about what cores are going to make a jump in 2023, where the Pittsburgh Penguins stand as far as the best leaders in the National Hockey League. Then we're going to check in on World Juniors a little bit because the group play is ending today. Of course, Team USA clinching the top seed in Group B, which is already good for the defending World Juniors champions. And then we'll finish off this episode with our weekly Pens poll, talking a little bit about Jake Gensel. But Horwat, when I say Pittsburgh Penguins core, obviously everybody knows that it's Evgeny Malkin, it's Sidney Crosby, and it's Chris Letang, who are now, because of two contract extensions, set to be together for at least the next three seasons. What do you think that means to Pittsburgh? I know we've talked about it a little bit already, but what do you think just those three staying for another three seasons means to Pittsburgh? It's it's a historic value to it. I think whenever you get down to it, it's like I had always mentioned, I was completely ready for Doomsday where we were going to be playing the next season without Latang and Malkin. I was just prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Because they're aging, their skill is except for, except for Latang's case, really. Malkin's skill is deteriorating a little bit. Latang still has it, but we know one day all three of them aren't going to be the same player. Mm-hmm. It is at this point of their each of their games where it is no longer keeping them around for the skill. I mean, it still is. They're all three of them are still very good players, but we signed them all to the point where we know this is it for them. Mm-hmm. We know. In Malkin's case, it's going to be his last contract, so his skill is going to draw back somewhere. Latang, we assume that'll be it for him. His skill yeah. is going to draw back somewhere. It isn't about signing them forever and ever because they're still young, great, phenomenal players. It is legacy contracts. It is you mm-hmm. are officially spending your career with one team. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the big premise of it. What it means for the city and for the team is just this ability to say. You know, 20 years down the line, we'll be able to say, hey, we watched 
these three play here for their entire career. Here's mm-hmm. the highlight pack. Here are the rings. Here are the banners to back it all up. Mm-hmm. It It is, in a way, a legacy deal to just solidify that cement their status in Pittsburgh as lifers and mm-hmm. as guys that, like I said, we can look back on and just awe and be in awe of the what they did for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I would say, a lot of what it is. But again, I mean, their skill is still there for this season and at least for the following season. They're still there to help the Penguins win, mm-hmm. and those will at least be beneficial to start. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it on last Monday's episode when, when answering the Pens poll between Lemieux Yager and Crosby Malkin. I said, listen, no matter which way you split it, the Pittsburgh Penguins fans have been spoiled to watch those players play for this organization over the past 40 years, 30 years at this point. So to get at least three more years, knowing you're going to get those three players. And then, of course, Crosby is expected to play a couple more seasons, which would extend that out. You're fortunate to be able to watch that. And what they've done in in the past is, of course, very impressive and which ranks them high among the cores of the salary cap era. But if you move it forward to next year, I think the big thing is you still have a year where, at the very least we're going to see some very, very productive play from all three of them. And I do have them ranked fairly high when it comes to being ranked amongst the other cores in the National Hockey League. So let's get into it, Horwat. Let me ask you this to start. Would you rank the Pittsburgh Penguins core of Crosby, Malkin, Latang as a top 10 core in the National Hockey League? Yeah, yeah, I still would. Absolutely. Mostly because, I mean, off the top of the head, you can't think of too many. You know, there are the big ones out there, but as of right now, you can only think of the big ones, and maybe it's because we're local. It's the first one I think of. Maybe it's because it's a historic one, because it's been around for so long. It is almost always the first one I think of. In terms of its skill, I would say it is still up there in the top ten. Uh, because, like I said, right away you don't think of any. Um, I'm assuming you'll have the ones to list off to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but at the t- off the top, I can think of Colorado's. And even mm-hmm. that one is, I mean, I mean, even that one is, who do we throw in as like a three or a four? Is it Landeskog or is it Ranton? We haven't heard Ranton's name too much in the last couple seasons, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would say it's better than Boston's, just because Boston's is carried so much by uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, do they do they really want Pasternak around, or what's what exactly is going on with that city? Um other than that, off the top of my head, a lot of change happened this offseason, so I can't think of any that are still around. Tampa mm-hmm. Bay's? I mean, what was Tampa Bay's? Oh, it's still there. Yeah. Stamkos, <laughs> Kucherov, Hedman. I always look at Tampa Bay's just having such a full team that mm-hmm. you remember Palat was there. You remember uh, Sergeyev is still on their blue line. It's such a weird team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still put it in the top ten, yeah, and I – would be able to place it better if I could think of more right now. Well, you can place it right after I I give you my top 10 because I'm sure that you'll have a lot of the same people in the top 10. I don't rank the Pittsburgh Penguins core going into next season as top five. Uh, They're they're right outside. I think I have them. Yeah, I have them at six. But when you look at what they've done in the past, combined, Crosby, Malkin, Latang have played 3,030 games in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. They have combined for 1,105 goals and 3,205 points. So 
way over a point per game, almost 200 points over a point per game combined. But again, that's the past. I still think you're going to see that production. I still think Crosby is going to be a threat to score over a point a game. I think Malkin's going to get very close, if not over a point a game. And Crystal Tang's coming off the best season of his career. So I, I don't think that he's going to pass that. If he does, that that's ridiculous and that's crazy. But I think he's still going to be very productive. It's not going to be that big of a drop-off because he hasn't suffered any major injuries since that fantastic season. I mean, knock on wood that he doesn't going forward. But I still, when I look at the league. I have the Pittsburgh Penguins at six. I have the New York Rangers right above them at five with Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and Adam Fox. I think that those guys, a little bit younger and a lot of skill in that top three right there. The Edmonton Oilers, I struggled with a little bit because two of the three are our premier players. Yeah, and who's the third? Darnell Nurse. I mean, it's it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nurse, which it's a good core. Darnell Nurse is a good defenseman. But if you look at the other defensemen on here, I did have two forwards and a defenseman. Nurse is probably the one that does not fit in the top 10 when it comes to top 10 defensemen in these top 10 cores. But number three, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Morgan Riley. Number two, I have Colorado, as you mentioned, Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, and Kale McCarr. And number one, I have Tampa Bay still because... The three I chose were Stamkos, Kucherov, and Hedman, which, again, to me, is the top core. But then you add in, oh, you also have Braden Point down there. You also have all these other players down there. That is why they've been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. So I have the Penguins at six, but my top five is New, uh, sorry, Tampa Bay, Colorado, Toronto, Edmonton, and the Rangers. That's who I have above the Penguins. And for two of those teams, you did that whole conversation without even bringing up goalies, who absolutely can be a part of this. I mean, yeah, that's Andre true. Vasilevsky can slide in. You all of a sudden you're making this, making it four core players, mm-hmm. maybe even five. It's you slide Vasilevsky in there for the Tampa Bay for the Tampa Bay one that makes them even stronger. You pick up Igor Shesterkin as much as we may not like him here. He slips into the New York Rangers one. And you mentioned the Rangers without even mentioning Kreider, who I thought would just mm-hmm. be there because he should have been the captain. Mm-hmm. It's – you don't – I. whenever we say these core three guys, I feel like you kind of hamper yourself, especially with some of these teams, by sticking them to three. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, I think you may have handicapped yourself a little bit with the Edmonton one as well. I agree. I, I'm with you on the list. I think – I don't think you should just held to the number because I think you could just say – McDavid and Dreisaitl as the two, even in their spot. Don't even add Nurse. Just go with those two and just whoever's on their line today yeah. is perfectly fine as their core three um, because, I mean, who's a net for them? We don't know. That defense, I mean, we, we ha- we've had to pick Darnell Nurse as this defenseman. Yeah. And then you go up to Toronto. I mean, you look at that team and – it, while it struggles mightily in the playoffs, we know that it is Matthews, Marner. I mean, you mentioned Tavares and Nylander before you even get to Morgan Riley. So they mm-hmm. have five. I mean, now their mm-hmm. goaltending's abysmal, but mm-hmm. they have five guys you could say are part of their core. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Penguins, we can extend our core if we really wanted to, to mm-hmm. include Jake Gensel. Brian Rust is there. I think that was a little trickier. But I think Tristan Jari gets put into that po- as well. Yes, now he does for sure. Mm-hmm. I think everything you do with these core, with looking at these cores, is you have to also look back at what they did with the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you, I guess you would put in Russ before you would Gensel and ours. 
No, he's, I think I think I'd put in Gensel. I think he's a little bit more of a of a of a top tier talent than than Brian Rust is. Yeah, but I'm saying if you go back to what they did, Rust was on two cup teams. Gensel was only on one. Mm-hmm. There's one little leg up that we don't ever think about. Um, I mean, yeah. Then beyond those teams, who do we have here? Yeah, no. When I look at that, uh, I like what you said. If you mention goaltenders, Tampa Bay is still number one because Vasilevsky mm-hmm. adding to a number one core is still a number one core. If anything, it creates a gap between them and number two. And then the Rangers, I would probably bump up from five to four over Edmonton because they have Igor Shosturkin. Do I think that Edmonton's going to be better off now that they signed Jack Campbell? Yes. I do think they're going to be better off, but I still don't think that if you include goaltenders that they're better off than a team that just has a Vezina Trophy winner and Igor Shosturkin. But that is still my top five because we narrowed it down to two forwards and a defenseman. Uh, Penguins, like I said, are at six. I have seven through ten is the Florida Panthers at seven with Barkov, Kachuk, and Ekblad. Carolina at eight with a very underrated core of Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, and Jacob Slavin. Boston, I dropped to number nine with Bergeron, Marchand, and McAvoy. Going into 2022-23, mainly because Brad Marchand's injured going into the season. Patrice Bergeron was thinking about retirement two weeks ago. So I do think that they drop a little bit in my rankings. And then the big caveat for number 10, which is the Vegas Golden Knights, is can they stay healthy? Because it's Mark Stone, it's Jack Eichel, and it's Alex Petrangelo. And again... That lineup has other guys like Jonathan Marcheseau, like Shea Theodore on the back end. Obviously, we wish that we would be able to see Robin Leonard. That's going to be a big hit to them. Already getting hit with the injury bug again. But I still think if they're healthy, Stone Eichel Petrangelo, which we haven't seen very much of, is one of the premier cores in the National Hockey League. So that rounds out my top 10. Yeah, and thing with the thing with Vegas, too, is those are, those th- those are three new names to that team. Mm-hmm. They're not... Excuse me. It's not... Carlson, Marcus O'Reilly, who you would think of off the top, or I mean, they don't have any defensemen. I think from the original team, Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore still there? Mm-hmm. All right, well there you go. But he's not the first one you think. Because that first team, that first Vegas team, I think about Nate Schmidt first. Yeah, on the defense core, but it's a different new core three, and it's I think I and I like that you were taking in Kachuk into the Florida thing because it's it is it, he's new but he is definitely part of that core and you look at the contract he signed he's going to be a part of that core mm-hmm. so i guess you looked at it from a different lens than i did it's a good way of looking at it this is a question that i could come back to halfway through the season too mm-hmm. that i can see what these guys have done together is the chemistry working does it seem like a guy like kachuk is going to stay the entire the length of his contract because i mean half the season is not enough to tell that but yeah you can start to see the routes, or you can see the seeds be planted of what is going to blossom there. Um, and there's just a lot of movement that can happen on a, on a list like this. Uh, mm-hmm. But regardless, I would absolutely rank the Penguins in that top 10. Um, and it maybe even in that top five. I get Dreisaitl and McDavid just are monsters on their own and will that team to the postseason. Mm-hmm. But you do need a third, a third man in there. You know, could it be Jack Campbell in that? Could be. We have to wait and see. That's the biggest question mark of your list to me. I think is just what can they or uh, what can Edmonton do? They need to really still define themselves as more than just a team that has McDavid and Drysaddle. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I have to. I'm looking through this the remainder of my list because I did go to to 16, and I have to change something because I forgot about one player. But 11 through, I guess it will be 17 now. I have 11 as the Washington Capitals with Ovi Backstrom and Carlson. Of course, again, Backstrom, we're yep. not sure when he's going to play this season. Nashville, I have at number 12 with Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, and Roman Yossi. A lot of people forget Roman Yossi scored 96 points from a blue line position last year and was second in Norris Trophy voting. 13 is where I have to add in the Calgary Flames because I completely forgot that I have a lot of respect for Jonathan Huberto, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do in a Canadian market. The only problem with that is, who's the defenseman again for the Calgary Flames? I have Huberto, Lindholm, and then Noah Hannafin, and I think that that is still a pretty solid core when you look at the Calgary Flames. I don't think it's a top-tier core, but I do have to slot that in at 13. 14, I have the Devils' young core of Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, and, of course, Dougie Hamilton. 15, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Goudreau, Line, and Wierenski. Again, Line being the, the weakest link there. He shaved his head. That was a little weird to see over the weekend. Um, number 16, I have the Detroit Red Wings, who I'm excited to see in year two. Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider. Like you said, if we have to add a fourth in, Tyler Bertuzzi gets added into that. And number 17, I have the Chicago Blackhawks. How the mighty have fallen. This is If we did this 10 years ago, the Blackhawks are a top five core. They were a top five core for the majority of the 2010s of Taves, Kane, and now it's Seth Jones instead of being Duncan Keith, who it was before. So that obviously makes it take a hit. And the fact that Jonathan Taves is nowhere near the player that he used to be also takes a hit. But it's still a very solid core for a team that's going to finish in the bottom third of the league this year. So I have the, the Chicago Blackhawks at 17 as well. So... When you think about all of these cores, I want to move over to the next thing and ask, which core do you think is primed to make a jump in 2022-23 from this list? It, uh, you said from this list. I was going to say it might might even be one that's not on this list because yeah. you listed 17 teams, and what's really fun about this league is you didn't mention the Dallas Stars, who have yeah. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and uh, Heiskanen. He's the mm-hmm. one that stayed. Yep. That's decent. Hell, I'd put that on the list over Chicago and maybe even a couple other teams um you go out to la they have a young core that's got some a lot to prove in the future here they just mm-hmm. need to figure out goaltending and defense i mean jonathan quick had a revitalized season but ugh, how much longer can it honestly last yeah or there's i'm trying to think of other teams philadelphia's got a young core we don't like philadelphia but they have something brewing there the mm-hmm. one game that we watched that the last time the uh, Penguins played the Flyers. It looked like no one wanted to play except for three guys. Mm-hmm. That could be their core in the future. Mm-hmm. So things are interesting. What's really fun is that this league, any team, every team across this league has three main guys. Mm-hmm. Really, they do. It's just a matter of them taking advantage of their opportunities and growing up a list like this. Mm-hmm. So if I had to say who's going to take the biggest jump uh, to become a better team i bet it's someone like calgary mm-hmm. new you know they have a ton to prove i mean they've just been you know fraught with issues with a new arena issues with management and keeping their stars around i mean last season goudreau monahan and i mean i can't think of a name now for defense you're right i can't hannafin's nah is la- shillington la- a defenseman uh, yeah, Oscar Shillington is a defenseman, but for them it was probably Goudreau, 
either Kachuk or Lindholm. That was the best line in hockey. And then Hannafin. Forgot about Kachuk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I again, like that's that's why I don't like sticking positions on there because I would have gone, mm-hmm. you know, Gidro, Kachuk, uh, uh, Monahan, just because those are the three big names that have been there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a team that can make a jump with Huberto because he's going to have a little more attention on him. He's a great mm-hmm. player. He's now going to have the Canadian media's attention mm-hmm. of just being above the border. And then does everything work out correctly for them? Can uh, the goaltender, Markstrom, refine his game that he found in the regular season and carry that into a postseason for once? Mm-hmm. And can the defense grow? There's a lot of questions that can be answered there that if they get answered properly – can jump them up to where they were last season Mm -hmm. yeah when i look at that that question i do like the answer of calgary i think that they're a team that after you saw what happened with gaudreau and and you saw that kachuk was getting traded you thought okay we can mark calgary as being a team that's going to drop this year and yes they're probably not going to win the pacific division but i wouldn't rule them out of being a playoff team i wouldn't honestly i wouldn't rule them out of the pacific division because stranger things have happened in that division specifically but when I look at some of these cores primed to take a jump, the one on this list that I really like is Heesher Hughes and Hamilton. I think the way that their goaltending was last season, it really hampered them and what they were able to do, especially because Hughes got injured, I believe, in the second week of the season. So hopefully all of these guys can stay healthy this year. I think they'll take a jump. I think Carolina, with another season of being dominant like they were last season, they're going to take a jump. And one name that's not on this list, the Anaheim Ducks. You mentioned Miro Haskin being the guy that's still in Dallas. Well, the guy that left Dallas is John Klingberg. He went to Anaheim. So I like John Klingberg, Trevor Zegras, and Troy Terry. I think that's another nice little core that's going to take a jump for the Anaheim Ducks this year. Do I think they're going to jump into the top 10? I don't think so. But do I think that they're going to have a better season and probably get into the top 15 when we do this list again next year? I, I could definitely see that because there's other teams on the other way on the on the way down. I mean, we talked about Washington. They've dropped out of the top 10 for me because Backstrom, you don't know what he's doing. And I also think Carlson's most productive years are past him. And Alex Ovechkin is chasing the goals record, and that is what it is. But again, one player can only, especially one aging player, can only prop up a core is so much. And, and I think Ovi, for as great as he is, I, I do have them at number 11. So I think they might drop. Boston, if Bergeron retires, if Pasternak's gone... They might drop. Who knows what's going on in Vegas? Who knows what's going on in Detroit? Who knows what's going on in Florida? A lot of things could happen. So I think that a team like Anaheim could sneak up and in there. But when I ask you, who is perennially going to be on this list? To me, Toronto comes to mind because they're all locked up and they all seem bought in up there. Colorado comes to mind because Landis Cog was just extended last offseason. Makar is going to be kept at all costs. And exists. Yeah, and and Nathan McKinnon I don't think is going anywhere either, and I think Tampa Bay is just always perennially keeping their star players. So I think those are the teams, to me, that are perennially going to be up there. Are there any that I missed that you you can think of that you would say are going to be perennial top cores in the National Hockey League? So I don't know about perennial, but I thought of a name while you were talking about a team that give a year or two could Mm -hmm. become perennial on this list, and that is the Ottawa Senators. Okay. Because they're going to have Brady Kachuk for a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Josh Norris signed a big, long deal. I don't know too much about him. But pretty good. Alex Dabrinkit. He's got mm-hmm. a year left, but let's say he impresses enough. Oh, well, you keep him forever. 
Mm-hmm. That is a player you keep forever if he wants to stay there. And then Thomas Shabbat on the back end. Mm-hmm. Again, $8 million forever. Pretty solid. Figure out the goaltending. That's a team that all of a sudden can be perennial on this list. Again, it is just one of those things as a prediction for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I completely forgot about the Debrinket trade. Of course, when I was thinking of Ottawa, I was thinking Claude Giroux with Brady Kachuk and, and again, age and the fact that I think he's still going to be very good for the for the Senators, but Debrinket instead of Giroux just makes that go a lot higher. Honestly, I'd probably put them right down there with Chicago, if not maybe even ahead of Chicago right next to Detroit. Of course, both teams very young, both teams looking to expand on pretty promising seasons last year. So I like it. But at the end of the day, I have the Penguins at number six. We've talked about this a lot. Where would you put the Pittsburgh Penguins? Do you think they're top five? I think so. I think because we have the legacy of success, uh, we can use my rules a little bit and extend the core past just main three, tack mm-hmm. in a great regular season, Tristan Jari, and a Jake Gensel who's primed for 50 to pay from 50 goals, possibly 100 points. It's... I would slip us up, especially because I look at Edmonton so much differently than a lot of people do. I get that McDavid and Drysaddle are literal world eaters. Mm-hmm. Zach Hyman's up there. He's good. But they don't have much anywhere else in that lineup. Greg McKay might play with Connor McDavid. Come on. I think it'd be hysterically fun, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. They don't have much beyond those two. And Jack Campbell and that, hey, we just have to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. I'm not slipping them out of the top five, but or out of the top ten, but probably out of the top five. Mm-hmm. Um I also, I know this, I mean, I'd say the Penguins are in the top five. Also, I have Chicago at the bottom five in the league, man. Like, Really? Just, Patrick Kane is still really good. Yes, Jonathan Taves is not the same player. and doesn't want to be there anymore, I think. And if you're mm-hmm. using Seth Jones, boy, oh boy, that just makes things worse. I don't know. That team is just a hellscape right now that mm-hmm. it's disgustingly sad to see, but mm-hmm. just the way it is. I mean, it's you already traded away to Brinkett. Kirby Doc's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's not fun. Well, Taves does not want to be there. Yeah, and here's the thing: I'm not ranking teams right now because the Chicago Blackhawks right. would be in the bottom five. Ranking the core, if I look at if I stop at just the three, Taves, Kane, and and Jones, not awful. I, I don't I don't no. hate that. I don't hate that as a bottom five in the National Hockey League, especially because even though he's not what he was, Jonathan Taves is still a great two-way player. Patrick Kane is still a perennial all-star in this league, perennial all-pro. He's one of the top players in the league still. It's just it goes unnoticed because all his points are... It's like the LA Angels. Oh, look at all how good Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are, and they lose 8-7. to seven. Like... That's what happens, and that's the same thing that's going to happen with Chicago Blackhawks going forward, especially if these guys stay there. But uh, when I look at Perennial, you have the Pittsburgh Penguins sliding up above Edmonton, it sounds like. So you have the Penguins at five, or do you have them above New York? I'm bold. Yeah, they can be five, because New York is such a juggernaut of a team right now. Who knows what they can do in the future? Adam Fox is going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And sure, Zabinijad and Kreider and yeah, Panarin, they're a little more aged, but um, they're going to be there. And they're going mm-hmm. to be a hassle to play against. Yeah. All right. So the top five for you then would be Tampa, Colorado, Toronto, the Rangers, and then the Penguins. I have Tampa, Colorado, Toronto, Edmonton, and the Rangers, the Penguins slotting in at number six. That's the top cores according to the Tip of the Iceberg give podcast. Take, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give or take. And then I have obviously the next 13 ranked because I went into a rabbit hole whenever I found out we were doing this. But 
Oh, well, well, I'll post that and we can all argue about it later. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to check in on the IIHF World Junior Championships. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We were talking a lot about cores across the NHL and some young players that in the future could become core players of these NHL teams are dueling it out in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at the 2022 IIHF World Junior Championships, which are in their final day of pool play today on Monday, August 15th. They'll be heading to the quarterfinals a little bit later this week. When you look at that tournament, the leading scorer is Mason McTavish. And this guy is an overager who's going to go straight from World Juniors into Anaheim Ducks camp. He's expected to make the roster out of camp, and he's having a great World Juniors. Six goals, four assists, and ten points for Team Canada. He is the captain of Team Canada. And as it expectedly should be, he is the leader in the clubhouse in the entire World Juniors. What do you think about Mason McTavish? Obviously, this year he's going to play a lot with Anaheim. He's going to join that young core that we just discussed with Trevor Zegras, with a guy like Troy Terry, with Jamie Drysdale, with John Klingberg. What do you think of him, and do you think that he's going to have a big season in the NHL this year? I think all of Anaheim might have a big season. Those names you just listed off all have, they're young. They have growing power. They have a bunch to prove especially in a team a, on a california team immediately no matter what it seems all three of them always have so much to prove just because a they're a california team b they all have successful pedigrees you know san jose was not a cup champion but perennially in the playoffs always mm-hmm. had some of the best players and the la kings have their cups to fall back on the ducks have one but are probably the ugly stepsister of these three you know, if you really do think about it, they have the cup, yeah, but it's they've been the team. I mean, they're the Disney team. Let's start there. Their history is oh, you got started because you're the literal Mickey Mouse organization. No mm-hmm. offense to them because they're not anymore and they've shed that light. As awesome as those jerseys were and that we still love seeing, they've shed that light of being the, the Mickey Mouse organization and they've just been not a laughing stock, but I mean, they. I always forget the Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff years. They slid into the playoffs quite often. Slid in. They they won the Pacific Division for like six straight years. I'd have to look at the Pacific. Again, here we go. I'm on the East Coast. I don't notice the California teams mm-hmm. that often. I just know that the Sharks were always they, – they won the President's Trophy a pair of times, I think. So mm-hmm. they've been a very good team as well. I think especially more recently, I guess you could say, the Ducks have turned into the the lowly team of the three. Mm-hmm. But I think with so much to prove, and uh, I forget his name now, the one we were just talking about with uh, <laughs> the uh, Mc- World Juniors. because McTavish? That's what we're talking. Yeah, Mason McTavish is going to help turn that team around into not a contender yet, but definitely mm-hmm. the first steps of growing into uh, a fierce contender out west. Mm-hmm. I-, I think the one thing that everybody thinks about when you talk about the Anaheim Ducks is how long are they going to hold on to John Gibson? And, and with these young players... Why get rid of them? I mean, if you want to have, like, I know last season they didn't make the playoffs, but they started off really hot, and for the majority of the season they were in a playoff spot, and they just fell apart at the end. They're a young team. They have to learn those lessons, but the more they do, and then they get reinforcements, and a guy like McTavish bringing a guy like John Klingberg, even though it's on a one-year deal, I'm excited to see what the Ducks do, and I'm excited to see what McTavish does, because clearly if you've been watching any of World Juniors, he is an electric factory player, which of course will fit right in with a guy like Trevor Zegras 
especially down there in Southern California. Another player on Team Canada that he's not high on the leaderboard, but he is doing some ridiculous things. Some of the highlights are as advertised, and that is for perennial and potential first overall draft pick in 2023, Connor Bedard. He has two goals and five points in the three games for Team Canada. Of course, they play a little bit later today against, I believe, Sweden. And the, no, sorry, Finland and the winner will win Group A. But I think when you watch Bedard, you see the potential that he has there. The guy is, what, 17 years old and he's doing this kind of crazy stuff on a world stage. I'm excited to see what he's able to do in his last year. And listen, we've had a couple of years in a row now where Uri Slavkovsky is probably not going to play for the Canadians this year. Owen Power did not play for the Buffalo Sabres last year after being drafted first overall. Bedard might be the first person in three years to get drafted and start right off with his NHL team. Almost not the way it should be, but a little more old school. Letting them grow into the system a little more. Let them, that's for these new guys, let them grow in the system a little more. Let them learn, the, let them learn a professional game. But if Connor Bedard is just that skilled and that good, yeah. Put, you you always want to put out your best chances of winning. If mm-hmm. he is your best chance of winning, no matter which team it is, then you got him. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how when his his draft is after this season, correct? Yes, this is his draft year now. It'll be interesting to see how what teams do. I mean, is he as advertised? He has the rest of this tournament to prove it, and one more regular season. Uh, for where does he play again? He plays in the uh, the CHL in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot to prove still, so we'll see what he's I mean, he's already proving it. He's I've not I've not been watching the uh, World Juniors at all, but I've been seeing his highlights and you know what? There's something special there. It's a mm-hmm. matter of growing it into a professional game and if he might be for the first time in a, for the first time in a while a player to get drafted first overall and crack the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, what happened last draft with Yuri Slavkovsky going up and catching Shane Wright. Uh, we thought that there might be a similar race this year, but unfortunately, Matvey Michkov was injured over in Russia. Of course, he is a very talented young Russian star that we were all excited to see. He got hit by, I believe, former NHLer. It wasn't Dmitry Yaskin. I think it was Alexei Yemlin who hit him knee on knee, and it just did not look good. So, Wishing a speedy recovery for Matvey Michkov. Um, back to World Juniors, though. Kent Johnson, shout out to him. Columbus Blue Jackets prospect from the University of Michigan doing the Michigan goal against the Czech Republic. So you got to love seeing those those just continue to be played in game action. Kent Johnson doing that. But when looking at the actual tournament, Group A, Canada has taken on Finland later today. The winner wins Group A and gets the number one seed heading into the elimination stages. Latvia advanced to the quarterfinals over the Czech Republic and Slovakia coming into the tournament. Latvia, as we mentioned last week on Monday, had the lowest odds to win entering the tournament. They get the whole way past the group stage for the first time in a long time. And Pittsburgh Penguins prospect Ravis Ansons, the only Penguins representative at the World Juniors, has yet to play a single game. He's been a healthy scratch for Team Latvia, but good for them advancing in Group A. Looking at Group B, the defending champion Team USA has clinched the top seed in Group B with a 3-2 win yesterday over Sweden. Sweden will take on Germany today to figure out who gets the second seed, but both of them will advance to the quarterfinals. Yeah, team USA has been a ton of fun. Again, like I said, I haven't been watching, but I've been seeing those Team USA highlights because that's a good team. Logan Cooley is 
going to be a very good player in the NHL mm-hmm. when he finally gets there. I hope everyone's ready for that. Maybe yes. maybe uh, Arizona will be playing in a college by then, but they probably will be. I, I highly doubt it. I think they're going to be there for about four years. But nonetheless, I, Logan Cooley has had a pretty good tournament as well. Some of his moves, again, not big numbers on the score sheet, but he's been very, very productive and pulling some really ridiculous moves against these other teams. But... Let's finish this episode off with our weekly Pens poll. We talked about it on last Monday's episode when I was solo without Horwat, but now that he's back, I want to give him an opportunity to give his opinion on this little question that we had. Will Jake Gensel score 100 points in a season at some point in his career? When we asked it on Twitter, 75% of voters said that he was going to get one. Only 25% said he's not going to reach that 100-point plateau at some point in his career. What say you, Horwat? I think he does. The 100-point seasons seemed kind of rare in recent se- in recent years, especially in Pittsburgh. I mean, Sidney Crosby used to... Sidney Crosby and Malkin, we used to just watch do it like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, as they've aged, the game has kind of grown younger around them, and it's been harder for those two to do it. It's And then Crosby snuck one in not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So we know Crosby still has that ability, and it just seems that 100-point seasons in the NHL have become a little more rare, but Connor McDavid's bucking that trend. Um, I think Gensel can absolutely uh, hit that number. It has All things kind of have to go right because, again, Pittsburgh isn't... While we are a high-scoring team, we spread the scoring out. That's always been our game. Giving a little more focus to Jake Gensel to find, find new assists, find new goals should help with the trend toward 100 i think it's possible everyone everything has to go right the right people have to stay healthy and i'm not saying he needs all 82 but i'm saying he can absolutely do it if he plays a vast majority of the games and keeps growing the in the right way he's hitting his prime about this year next year Mm -hmm. he's in his later 20s and now's the perfect time to do it the goaltending has gotten a lot better, and our division is not easier when it comes to goaltending. In fact, the easiest teams in goaltending, like Philly and possibly Washington, we play three times, not four. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, there's that. But I think it's absolutely possible. Um, he'd staple him to Sidney Crosby, and it's, anything's possible. Yeah, I think he could reach 100, 100 points, definitely. But if he's going to, it's going to be in the next year or two. If he doesn't score 100 points this year or next year, He's not going to get there in his career because he's not going to get there unless he has a really premier center with him. And I understand that we've made the argument, and it sounds like I'm, I'm walking back on my own argument, that Jake Gensel doesn't need Crosby or Malkin to be productive. He does need them to be that productive. Like, that 100 points, there was eight players last year, which was a, a very large number, that reached the 100-point plateau. And I think I mentioned last week that four others were above 95 points, just couldn't get to that century mark. Do I think Gensel, who played 76 games last season, scored 84 points? If he plays that 82 games, I think he'll be close. I'm not saying he's somebody that'll ever get to like 110, 120, but he might be able to get to 101, 103, maybe top out at 105, but he's going to have to play a full season, fully healthy, with a fully healthy either Crosby or Malkin, because without a premier center, like if Jeff Carter is his center for the majority of the season, he's not going to score 100 points. But if it's Crosby or Malkin and they're healthy the whole season and he's healthy the whole season, either this year or next year, I think he could. But that's my caveat. If he doesn't score in these next two years, 
he'll be 29 years old and i don't think he's going to reach that century mark after that it's about it just has to happen now yeah that's all it is and plus the goaltending is getting better the goaltending is getting so much better it is but i I think they're also the nhl is trying to change rules to try to make it a little bit more easier to score goals you know the pads are getting shortened in and the nets all sorts of rule changes that just lead to more goal scoring we saw it last season hence 800 point scores and even though the goaltenders are more athletic they're better they have quicker reflexes i do think the nhl is trying its darndest to keep goal scoring up as well even though the goaltenders continue to get better they're juicing the pucks man they're juicing the pucks (laughs) hey listen everybody likes goal scoring that's what brings in the money that's why the nhl is focused on it (laughs) whatever i yeah i think if still somehow the goaltending is getting better i mean vasilevsky is still a robot Igor Shister, it's the Russian goaltending is getting a hell of a lot better too. <laughs> That's really what it is. It, back, I, we can remember back in the day, like early two thousands, mid two thousands, early twenty tens. Russian goaltending was horrible. Ah. It was, I mean, for the most part, it was horrible. It was, I mean, dominated it, by a bunch of Canadian and American kids. We look at, yeah, I mean, Dominic Hasek was, you know, not not Russian, but was probably the standout in terms of European goaltenders for a long time mm-hmm. ha- or Lundqvist was in there Sweden had always had great goaltenders Finland always had great goaltenders it was something about Russia specific that they struggled I'm trying to think of a you'd have to pull some up from back in the from back in that era that I'm discussing but mm-hmm. I can remember a theory was for a long time is they didn't play baseball they didn't know how to catch <laughs> yeah I'm trying to remember if he was Russian or not, but Evgeny Dabakov, yeah, Evgeny Dabakov was a guy that was there. Nikolai Havibulin, I believe, was another Russian goaltender. And then, of course, Sergei Bobrovsky at his prime. At so, his prime. But then we saw the fall off for a little while. Well, yeah, and while that's not, like, top tier, Bobrovsky was at some points, while that's not the best of the best like it is now with Shostarkin and Vasilevsky and Sorokin, yeah, now there's, there's more dominant goaltenders. There were very good Russian goaltenders, in the early 2010s, but now they're, they're dominating these conversations. Like you said, Vaskalevsky, even Sorokin was really, really good. And then I'm trying to think of who the National Predators drafted a little bit ago, but he's supposed to be he's very good be really as well. Good. Yeah, it's, so uh, it's I think always it was been, last season. Yeah, like there's always been one or two good Russian goaltenders, but it was all they were always out dominated by, you know, Lundqvist from Sweden. If you need to go back for far enough, uh, Hashik from. Czech? I think he's Czech. I'll um, double check that for you, but I'm pretty sure. They were all they were always out dominated by other European goalies, whereas again, like Bobrovsky was there, yes, but now it is just there's a multitude of them who Vasilevsky, um Sor- uh Sorokin if you need to, mm-hmm. uh Shesterkin, guys that can all be up for the Vesna. All like all three Vesna candidates could be Russian. Mm-hmm. It's a new domination than it is the one or two premier guys. And even on a lesser level, even like a guy like Ilya Samsonov is coming to the league and he hasn't been fantastic, but there are times where Ilya Samsonov is near unbeatable. Like he can go on a stretch and he's shown that in his career. Now he's going to be doing it for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm pretty sure that's where he ended up. But uh, it's, it's interesting how different things have been. But at the end of this, the core is if Jake Kensel is going to score 100 points, I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole, but uh, that Russian August. goalie rabbit hole. But uh, if Jake Kensel is going to score 100 points, it's going to be either this season or next season. Because if he doesn't, that's in, in my opinion, that that's it. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's going to be this season or next. If not, mm-hmm. maybe one more after. Yeah, I just figured I'd bring it back to the core before we uh, before we walked out of here for Monday's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. But that is going to do it for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you on Thursday with a new episode. Hopefully something happens in the next three days. But if not, you know we'll still be back to talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins that we can humanly think of at this point in time. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.